This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. That's right. It's a pre-recorded hey! After Party Live. How That's right. Welcome to the show, Graham. How's everybody? Did you say show, Graham? I did say show, Graham. I don't know. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Good. I'm well. Nice. So you had to take the day off, and Hi. so uh, yeah, we have a birthday at my house. So we're at the Monterey uh-huh. Bay Aquarium. Yeah, doing that. So that is why we have pre-recorded this broadcast of the after party live uh, because it's Jacob's birthday. So yay! Happy birthday, Jacob! And yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and here he comes. I, it looks really good. Woohoo! And he got a new haircut for his birthday. Very nice. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for joining us. Click the like button. Um, click subscribe. Check out Jacob's haircut. And uh, <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's start with some animal stories, shall let's we? Let's start with Flocko. Do you remember Flocko? Of course. So we've had first, Flocko follow-ups. We have a Flocko. We have a, this is like the third or fourth Flocko follow-up. First story was about Flocko. He uh, left his place at a zoo in New York City, and he was flying around Central Park. And people were seeing him in the zoo. And the thought was that Flacco was trying to find love. But Flacco will never find love because he's the only one of his kind in New York City. Right? And then Flacco was spotted sitting on people's uh, air conditioners at apartment buildings. And like there'd be this massive owl looking into the window. And so he became a bit of a celebrity, Flacco did. Well, the up there he is. The update on Flocko the Owl <clears throat> is that this month marks the anniversary of him flying the coop from the Central Park Zoo. He is a Eurasian eagle owl, and he escaped when vandals cut a hole in his enclosure. Uh, he was 13 years old. He had lived his entire life in captivity. And that was the th- thought that many people thought, well, if he's lived his whole life in captivity, he's never going to be right. able to survive out on his own, right? No, well, wrong. one year later, and Flacco is going for it. He is still living in New York, flying high and flying strong. And he's spending most of his time in Central Park or on the fire escapes at apartment buildings around New York on the Upper West Side. Or and on um, school buses. Okay. On school or buses, hanging out. Right. But he's managing to find food. Right, so maybe there's a lot of rats in New York or whatever it is. He's fa- ma- managing to forage for well, that's himself. That's not a maybe. And eat. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's managing to eat or find whatever food he needs in Central Park or on a, from apartment fire escapes. And he still hasn't found love, but he's surviving out there in the wild, in the wild of yeah. New York City. So there you go. Kind of sucks that update. the whole reason he's um, out is because of vandals. So somebody, I mean, I know. somebody or some people commit, committed a crime and, and Flacco has to pay for that. Yeah. That's kind of lame. It is. Um, let's, but let's he's move having on a to New York adventure. So that's, there, that's right. Yeah. Little bird, uh, little bird in the big city. Yeah. Uh, let's move on <laughs> to, uh, I believe this is Thailand, an army of a thousand monkeys. <gasps> Of thousands of monkeys, more than a thousand, have run oh. a city in central Thailand into the ground. Several stores and businesses have had to be uh, shuttered, uh, forced to close, relocate. Investors have halted their investments, and shoppers have all but entirely vanished from Lupuri in Thailand. An army of 3,500 macaws have overrun oh, the city wow. in Thailand. Once a hub for tourists, the city has suffered as a result, uh, of course, of the pandemic. Um, the monkeys have become much more violent towards humans since the lockdowns. 
That Thai city, once a thriving hub for tourists who flocked to see the city's wild macaws, have now been completely overrun by the 3,500-strong army that has taken control. And uh, we have a rather long video, but I want to—I want you to check this out so we can talk okay. over this. Um, here are the monkeys uh, run wild in Thailand. Yikes. So you can see they're handing out like, uh, it looks like those are like, like, what do you call those things? Like the frozen juice ice um, treats. And then this woman is handing out bananas, it looks like, little bananas. I mean, aren't the monkeys going to stay there if you feed them? Yeah, you think so, but I mean... Why do they feed them? Well, then they need to move on where they can forage for food. But if they're getting food out of baskets and people are handing them food, they're not going to go. That's true. Look, he's trying to get into that car. Yeah. I want in! Okay. Woohoo! <laughs> they, um, they're cute animals. I saw them in Indonesia, but you um, have to be careful not to look them in the eye. Why? Does that if mean they'll If you look them in the you? eye, they see it as a challenge. Oh, um, God. Much like my cat, Archie. And um, they may attack you. So you have, and they get very aggressive, so you kind of have to like not look at them in the eye. And then you'll see cute stuff like this. So Fun. they'll ride around on your shoulder like that, but you're not allowed to like make eye contact? Yeah, I mean, if you, you stare them down. You, I mean, it makes sense, like biologically. Um, wow. As long as you don't look like you're trying to put them in. And we have more monkeys trying to get into a car here. And look at this one. A bunch of monkeys jumping on a truck. Yeah, they're everywhere. And I mean, I guess you can't go. You have to stop because, or do you just go and figure they'll think, jump off? Yeah, the monkeys will figure it out. Here. They're having fun. And look at this guy. He found some glasses. Wow. That's the other thing. When you go to the parks, like in Indonesia, they'll, um, they say don't have anything loose on you because they will grab it. it. They'll grab yeah. it and you're not getting it back. Even you know? your purse? Right. Yeah, you have to hold everything down. Um, so they've had to establish several no-go zones throughout the city. Some of the areas have been taken over by warring rival monkey gangs. At first, the locals what? attempted to keep the animals at bay by providing them with junk food, but the plan backfired and seemed to only make the monkeys more violent. They had been giving the monkeys sweets, fizzy drinks, and cereal, sugary treats, which are well known to make monkeys more hyper and sexually active. Ooh, ooh. Oh, God. Sugary foods can increase the productivity of the monkeys and stimulate the monkeys to reproduce more. Wah, wah, wah. Then you get even more monkeys. Look at them all. Female monkeys already have the ability to reproduce twice per year, and the frequency oh. at with, uh, which they have been given the sugar has meant that these monkeys have an abundance of energy to do Jesus. so, if you know what I mean. How many, uh, how many babies do they have at once? I don't know, but I'm guessing like maybe a, one. Oh God. I think it's, yeah, because they're similar to humans. Um, they're violent like humans. Uh, but anyway, uh, pre-pandemic, monkey and man lived in harmony in the city. The Macaus attracted tourists to the city, and those tourists would buy bananas to feed them and pose with them. But that quickly collapsed when lockdown stopped the steady flow of tourism, leaving these monkeys desperate for a new food source. Um, then they became hungrier and more aggressive. They Then they started taking anything they they can, you know, the comb, the mirror. I lose food attend, uh, unattended, that one person says, and they steal that food as well. So they're used to having these tourists feed them, and the city provides no space for them to fend for themselves. Tourists gone, more aggressive, fighting humans uh, for food and to uh, to survive. So that's really scary. Monkeys gone wild. Yeah, I mean, because if that you had that many monkeys attacking, like, what if one attacks you and then they all start? Ta oh, oh yeah. god, it's like a something from a horrible movie, like the birds, but the monkeys. Or a really great movie. Ooh, <laughs> it's not <laughs> a great movie. Well, this snake shows that snakes have a tendency to pretty much eat 
anything. It looks pretty big. An x-ray of the snake showed that perhaps mm, you shouldn't leave your old gear shift laying around. That's gear what happened oh. here. Yeah, it's a it's a knob from the gear shift, you know, the, the knob. Yeah, that you, yeah, yeah. And they found it, and they say it's a snake's stomach, but I would say digestive tract, perhaps. Veterinarians in Maryland had to perform surgery on a rat snake to remove this gear shift knob that it swallowed, this creature. It's called the Second Chance Wildlife Center in Gaithersburg, Maryland. They Ugh. said that the snake was brought in with a big bulge, and they didn't know exactly what was going on there. So they did the x-ray. Hey, They say it's common these rat snakes will ingest golf balls or decoy eggs mistaken for fresh chicken eggs. Right. Um, in this yeah, case, the object got trapped in the snake's digestive tract so long that there was a hole worn through the skin. You can see there. Uh, they had to surgically remove this thing from inside of the snake. Uh, it was identified as a gear shift knob from a car. The snake, though, has made a full recovery and will be released into the wild this spring. So it's uh, something that turns out well for him. But, you know, that's gross. The people leave trash laying around and it affects wildlife. Yeah, look at that yeah. thing. Ugh. That's like a couple inches wide. Yeah. Yeah, no, no bueno. I mean, it split him uh, apart, you know? Yeah, no good. Gross. Okay, this next story uh, I think you'll appreciate is okay. about a deer. Oh, we love I our like deer stories, deer. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, deer Kool Aid Man. Do you know how like the Kool Aid Man would like crush th uh, crash through your house? Yeah, you know, hey Kool Aid. Yeah, so this deer yeah. Kool Aid Man, as a verb, <laughs> into a Texas home and spent the night. Authorities in Texas responded to a home where deer crashed in through the window and spent the night inside. Courtney Hawk says she returned from to her spring home after spending the night at her boyfriend's house and found the deer in the kitchen. And here's the, here's the news report, check it out. A woman in spring and her 11-year-old son have an unforgettable story to tell after a deer, yep, a deer, spends more than a day inside of their house, not outside. Fox 26's Randy Wallace reports from spring. Imagine walking into your home and coming face to face with a deer. No, I, I opened the door and just about 15 feet in front of me was a deer just staring at me and we just stared at each other for probably 15, 30 seconds because I had no idea how to even process the fact that there was a deer standing in my kitchen. Since she came through the garage, Courtney Hawk didn't know the deer crashed through this window. Courtney says she had spent the night at her boyfriend's, so the deer had been in her house for about 24 hours. Not knowing what to do, Courtney called 911 and Precinct 4 Constable deputies showed up. And he opened the front door and he opened this back door over here and he just used his, um, his baton to try and you know, hit some of the areas to get the deer to go around it and go outside. Unfortunately, um, the deer said finders keepers and ran into my bedroom instead. Instead, the deer caused some damage. All my belongings were spread out everywhere. He managed to turn on the sink and don't, so all of my belongings got wiped off the counter into the sink and the water was running over them. Um, he managed to also turn on my hair dryer. It took two hours to get the deer out of Courtney's house. A Harris County livestock officer shot the deer with a tranquilizer gun. Almost felt like maybe I need to go play the lottery because what are the, the odds that, you know, that would even happen. What do your friends think when you tell them about this? I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty hilarious and very weird. 
The deer was released back into the wild and will hopefully stay out of houses. Reporting from Spring, Randy Wallace, Fox 26 News. Wow. That's Fox that, 26 Houston. Thank you uh, for that report from Spring. That deer managed to do a lot of damage. Yeah, I think it's funny imagine? that it turned on the faucet, like knocked her yeah, stuff in the sink and then turned on the water. That was intentional. Then it turned on the hairdryer. <laughs> then the hairdryer. It's like, you yeah. know what? On my way out, I'm going to tell you this is my space. Yeah. Mm. Um. Remember that incident recently where the door plug blew out of the plane, the Alaska right, Airlines we, plane? How could we forget? And you remember the phones that were sucked out into the world and right. fell and thousands of feet, plummeted to the ground, and yeah. then they were found, and they were completely okay, like maybe had a scratch and that was it? Yeah. Well, it turns out that one of these phones had a specific case on it, and the folks that make the case are now using it in advertisements, this whole scenario, because okay. really what tells the story, like our cases are going to really protect your phone than one that fell from 3000 feet. So the case uh, was, uh, this is pretty cool. was made by Spigen, S-P-I-G-E-N, Spigen. It's a phone case manufacturing company. And when the man who found this iPhone said, it, it was still on airplane mode with half a battery left with a website open to baggage claim. Um, the people at Spigen responded and said, uh, mystery solved. The case was ours. Uh, it was us. The phone's case that survived a 16,000 foot drop from Alaska Airlines was a Spigen cryo armor. So... Now they're, it's become like an online thing with Spigen cryo yeah. armor for this phone. Um, yeah. I, so, I mean, I that is like a, what, a real life test case scenario? Yeah. Not to take anything away from the, the, the makers of the case, though. It really depends on what, how the phone hits the Lamps, ground, right? Yeah, like, did it I hit a tree? So. Did it fall through a tree? I mean, if you had a direct impact with concrete, I'm, then I don't think you would uh, have a phone to talk about, right? Well, if it fell on a rock face, yeah, face first or something, as you say, yeah. something different. Or just um, the sheer impact. But Spigen says it was the drop test of a decade. Yeah. They well, the are phones crediting. are stronger. These iPhones, like I've dropped my phone a bunch of times yeah. and the, the earlier phones would, would shatter. This, mm -hmm. Yeah. And this corner, hasn't. The corner and, and this one hasn't. So I once dropped my phone and I caught it with my leg, like in between the bathroom counter and my leg. Who's the monkey now. But when I when I smashed it like with my leg into the counter, it, it hit the it hit a knob. Like I pushed it into a knob, and the Smash knob it. shattered the screen. Smashed it with my iron rod, I did, and it broke. Uh, but I've done something similar to this phone, a newer version, yeah. and it's been totally fine. So, but yeah. they're um, getting stronger. Spigen users are happy. They're saying, as a lifelong satisfied Spigen case user, I'm happy to hear my phone is safe, even if it falls out of a plane. Um, I, I I don't know. There, I, I would, I think they would be remiss if they didn't use this. Oh, they have to. They have to, don't they? Yeah. So. Um, Spigen is the name. If you're looking for a good case, apparently it works. <laughs> there you go. Um, we love to talk about discoveries, uh, and I know you'll like this story. Oh. Discovery of bones and tools in a German cave could rewrite history of humans and Neanderthals. Um, they're being called a huge surprise. Pioneering groups of humans braved icy conditions to settle in northern Europe more than 45,000 years ago. 
a huge surprise. Which that means they could have lived there alongside alongside the Neanderthals, right? So oh. humans and Neanderthals at the same time, um, according to scientists. Um, the international team of researchers found human bones and tools hiding behind a massive rock in a German cave, the oldest traces of Homo sapiens ever discovered so far north. This discovery could rewrite the history of how the species populated Europe and how it came to replace the Neanderthals, who mysteriously went extinct just a few thousand years after humans arrived. That doesn't sound sus yeah, suspicious, mm -hmm. right? It sounds right on brand, actually. Humans show up. Adios, sayonara, suckers. <laughs> right? We're moving when the in. When the two coexisted in Europe, there was a replacement phenomenon where the Middle Paleolithic uh, and Upper Paleolithic periods, um, between those two periods, French pa uh, paleoanthropologist Jean-Jacques Hulin, uh, who led the new researcher, <laughs> told AFP. So there was this like this coexistment, coexisting period where they started replacing them, right? Archaeological yeah. evidence such as stone tools from both species has been discovered dating from that period, but determining exactly who created what has proved difficult because of the lack of bones. Um, particularly puzzling has been tools from what has been called the Lincombian, Renesian, Germanicala, uh, oh, yeah, or totally. LRJ for short, <laughs> culture <laughs> found at several sites north of the Alps, including in England and Poland. One such site near the town of Rannis in central G uh, Germany was the focus of three new studies published in the journal Nature. The cave was partially excavated in the 30s, but the team hoped to find more clues during digs between 2016 and 2022. Uh, the 1930s excavations had not been able to get past a nearly six-foot rock blocking the way, but this time the scientists managed to remove it by hand. We had to descend eight meters, it's about 26 feet, underground and board up the walls to protect the excavators, according to this uh, Germany uh, Institute. They were uh, rewarded with the leaf-shaped stone blades, check this out, Ooh. seen at other LRJ sites, as well as thousands of bone fragments. Um, the team used a new technique called paleoproteomics, which involves mm -hmm. extracting proteins from fossils to determine which bones were from animals and which were from humans. Using radiocarbon dating and DNA analysis, they confirmed that the cave contained the skeletal remains of 13 humans. That means the stone tools in the cave, which were once thought to have been made by the Neanderthals, were in fact crafted by humans as early as 47, 500 years ago. Interesting. Yeah, this came as a huge surprise as no human fossils were known from that LRJ period before. And it was a reward for the hard work at the site, according to the study's yeah. co-authors. The fossils date from around the time when the first Homo sapiens were leaving Africa for Europe and Asia. That has Pretty to cool, be right? a really interesting find. I yeah. wonder if they're going to keep, are they going to keep digging there to see like what else they can find out about this <laughs> humans in that area? I think you got to keep digging, right? Yeah, I think you got to. Wow. They're pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, something else uncovered. We're back in Maine. You know, we're number one for news in Maine. We are the number one news leader for Maine <laughs> podcast listeners. The Maine news leader. Well, winter storms uncovered an old shipwreck in a national park. This had been covered by sand, and it's been so windy and so stormy that the sand blew away. And here you have this 112-year-old shipwreck from 1911 that was deposited there on the beach several years before this national park even opened. This is out of Bar Harbor, Maine. Uh, the shipwreck is called Tay, and it was found in Acadia National Park in the Maine area. 
You and like when things are named. Tay. Yeah. Hey, Tay. Tay, Tay. Tay, Tay. Yeah. Not Taylor Swift, but Tay. Tay, Tay. Um, it was covered by sand over the decades. And... It was unearthed multiple times, so they knew it was there. The sand blew off of it in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and the 90s. And each time, the folks at the park took the time to document and monitor the site and try to better understand the shipwreck's history. They said, we were lucky enough to get another sighting of it with these back-to-back winter storms that they had over the last week. This time, they were able to uncover it. They also, though, um, it caused damage to parts of the park. So some of the areas experienced significant yeah. damage from Look the storms. That. You can see the streets buckling there in the, the National Park. Um, they're still surveying the damage. But over the next weeks and months, they're going to try to repair everything in time for visitor season. And I don't know if the sand is recovering the old boat wreck but yeah i would call that more than buckling yeah (laughs) collapsing (laughs) what you have there is a situation what you have there is a don't cross the street yeah yeah. But it, I think it's so interesting to see something, you know, from the pa- the distant past that all of a sudden is presented to you in the world. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, let's see. This next story is about food. And okay. uh, looks like I don't have a picture for this, but um, you may be eating pre-digested food. <laughs> did we want a picture of that? Yeah. I don't think we that. did. No. Why do many people overeat chips, cereals, cakes, puddings, and other ultra-processed food uh, despite knowing that they're not healthy for them? According to emerging science, it may be due to manufacturing processes that pre-digest raw food ingredients, creating ultra-processed foods that bypass the body's signals of fullness. Oh, no. Wait. You read so that, right? Chips make you not feel full on purpose? Well, it's the manufacturing process of chips, oh. cereals, cakes, puddings, and other ultra-processed foods. So... We are eating pre-digested food. What does that mean? To manufacture cheap, delicious food that is packaged for convenience, basic food crops such as corn, wheat, and potatoes are dissembled into their molecular parts, starchy flours, protein isolates, fats, and oils, or what manufacturers call slurries. Mmm. Just like grandma used to make. Is that like pink goo? Pink slime? Yeah. Slurry. Uh, The bulk of what is extracted is starch slurry, a a milky mixture of starch and water, but we also have extracted proteins and fibers, according to a video explanation of the process from Starch Europe, uh, part of the European Starch Industry Association. Roughly half of the starch slurry goes back, uh, it, that goes to produce starch-based uh, sugars and other mm-hmm. derivatives. Those are um, those are created by hydrolysis, a process similar to human digestion. Next, with the help Ooh. of artificial colorings, flavorings, and glue-like emulsifiers, those slurries are then heated, pounded, and shaped or extruded into any food a manufacturer can dream up. Add in just the right ratio of sugar, salt, and fat designed to tickle our taste buds, and an ultra-processed food that's nearly in- irresistible is born, according to um, infectious disease specialist Dr. Chris Van Tolken. Uh, <laughs> I guess it is an infectious disease if you think about it. It could be a pizza if you put some cheese and tomato on top. It could be a burger bun. It could be a grain bar, a breakfast cereal, ice cream, or confectionery. They all have the same list of basic starting ingredients um it's an illusion of food but it's really expensive and difficult for a food company to make food that's real and whole and much cheaper for food companies to destroy real foods turn them into molecules and then reassemble them to make anything we want much like the regurgitated food mother birds uh feed their babies in the nest oh i remember that yeah 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 
Ultra processed food is quick and easy to digest, according to experts. But that's not how human digestive systems were meant to work. Starting with teeth designed to tear our food apart, the human gastrointestinal system evolved to break down whole foods into their various nutritional components, absorb those vitamins, minerals, and micronutrients, and then eliminate the undigestible leftovers and fiber as stool. When food moves through the digestive system in ways Mother Nature didn't intend, however, the body loses the ability to send that signal of fullness to the brain, according to Dr. David Katz. No, really? <laughs> a specialist in Gosh, preventive. Gosh, that guy's busy, I'm telling I you. I know, right? A specialist in preventive and lifestyle medicine who founded the nonprofit True Health Initiative, a global coalition of experts dedicated to evidence-based lifestyle medicine. In effect, you're bypassing that stretch um, receptor effect in the stomach, Kat said. Before the stretch receptors mm. can even tell you, hey, we've had enough, you've put down twice as many calories as you need. Estimates say 73% of the food supply in the United States is made up of ultra-processed foods. Wow. Yet it's been hard to pinpoint the underlying impact of such foods found on the body as nearly all research in nu nutrition is observational. It's difficult to do a randomized clinical trial uh, considered the gold standard of research by forcing people to only eat certain foods, right? However, clinical trial published in 2019 did just that. 20 healthy volunteers were locked away from the outside world for one month. For two weeks, they ate nothing but ultra-processed foods. For the remaining two weeks, they ate a diet made up of minimally processed foods. Breakfast on the ultra-processed diet might consist of store-bought cereal, flavored yogurt, blueberry muffins, right? The other mm -hmm. two weeks, the same 20 people ate meals created from minimally processed foods, um, like uh, plain Greek yogurt, walnuts, fruit slices, things like that. Sure. Each diet contained the exact same quality quantity of calories, sugars, fiber, fats, salt, and carbohydrates. The only difference was that the one diet was ultra-processed. In two weeks, participants on the ultra-processed diet gained an average of two pounds. They lost an equivalent amount of weight while on the minimally processed diet. Same wow. calories and everything? Yeah. On the ultra-processed diet, uh, people ate about 500 more calories per day, yeah. and they ate at a faster rate. This is the first study to demonstrate in a controlled environment that ultra-processed foods cause people to eat too many calories and gain weight. What you've just told me is the reason I have the capacity to eat so many Cheez-Its and why even after eating so many Cheez-Its, I don't feel full. Yeah. Right? That's why. That's why. I had no idea. Slow down. Oh, man. Well, I mean, even if you don't, even if you slow down, you're never going to feel full. Because yeah. it's all like pre-chewed and whatever's happening, your body Eventually doesn't your body get will the get message. the signal, but you know, by the time you get it, you know, wow. if you're not eating slowly. Um, that's what when I growing up, my my mom would not allow us to have processed foods. Thanks, yep. mom. Yeah, she was she was a wise one, that lady. Yeah. Um, speaking of food, you know, a lot of um, chefs and restaurants got the COVID money to help keep the restaurants over during the yeah. pandemic. Right. Right. Well, there's a chef in Monterey, pretty well-known chef, as a matter of yeah. fact, who uh, he says he's innocent of fraud, but his name is Dory Ford. He's a chef in Monterey. Not he's, many people will say, I am guilty of fraud. I'm, right? I've done it. Well, if you're <laughs> caught, maybe the best thing to do is say, you know what? My bad. I'm sorry. Maybe you'll get a more lenient sentence. Maybe not. But he's pleading not guilty to charges that he misused $4 million in COVID relief funds meant to help Jeez. small businesses during the pandemic. Records are showing that the 57-year-old chef applied for the money using his catering company called Aquaterra, which is based in Pacific Grove. But instead of using the money for Aquaterra, 
He allegedly used the loans and grants to buy land in Belize and a mushroom oh farm in Santa God. Cruz and invest in the stock market. So I think that COVID money is supposed to help you pay your employees during yeah. tough times. Yeah, keep keep employees in Right, keep people on the payroll, keep the business rolling, uh, which doesn't really mean buying land in Belize, a mushroom farm in Santa Cruz, or investing in the stock market. He faces, listen to this, more than 100 years in prison if he is convicted of these charges. I mean, Why do that's people do this. It's so I stupid. They're going to catch you. It's like free money. No, free money for a purpose. The money was intended to go to your employees to keep people paid and working. The money was not intended for you to dabble in the stock market. I guess maybe the argument is, well, I um, needed to in make investments and make money in order to keep my business open. So it was all part of a plan. Yeah, but there's know. you know processes, protocols, and standards. They have yeah. rules for the money and you have to follow the rules. Mm. Don't follow the rules. You'll end up in the pokey. You will. But he says he's not guilty. So we'll see how this pans they out. Never, they're never guilty. Did you get it? Pans out because he's a chef. Yeah. Oh, I, I got you it. You like that? <laughs> Let's stick with food. Why don't we? <laughs> a stealthy cholesterol is killing people, and most uh -oh. people don't know they're at risk. Doctors are increasingly calling for a screening of um, lipoprotein A, a type of cholesterol that can lead to deadly heart attacks by middle age. Millions of Americans are born genetically predisposed to extremely high levels of a type of cholesterol that causes deadly heart attacks and strokes by middle age, yet they're almost always unaware of the risk. That cholesterol, again, is called lipoprotein A or LPA. Like low-density lipoprotein or LDL, or bad cholesterol, it leads to plaque buildup in the arteries. But LPA has a second nasty trick that makes it even more dangerous. It causes blood clots. <laughs> and unlike LDL, it's entirely genetic, which means diet and exercise has no effect on what LPA What do you do levels. if you have the LDA? I know, right? The result is a high likelihood of life-threatening heart disease that runs in families, killing parents, uh, aunts, uncles, and siblings in their 40s and 50s. Everybody in their family has a heart attack or stroke or bypass uh, or surgery or stent in their 40s. Uh, in this one family, they're talking about um, they're scared to death. As many as 64 million Americans have elevated LPA levels. Anyone could have it, though it's mostly common among people of African and South Asian descent. Routine blood cholesterol tests could look for LPA, but they don't, largely because there's no effective treatment for it. Um, similar to other forms of high cholesterol, there's no symptoms with L high LPA. Wow. Uh, but with several promising drugs making their way to, through clinical trials, doctors um, say people should be aware of their risk. Um, and uh, this one doctor quoted in the story says that she started screening for LPA as part of her preventive care for patients. To me, it doesn't make any sense that I'm not going to measure it just because I can't bring the number down. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I measure I measure in all my patients at least once to find out who's high um, because uh, we can do things to lower their risk. Um the challenge has been if you test for something and don't have treatment for it, are you doing the patient any favors? Says the director of uh, endovascular services at Columbia University uh, Irving Medical Center. Well, I yeah. used to not test for things that I couldn't treat, but now I do because I know on the horizon we're going to have um, good treatments. Right. Uh, it gives patients hopes, hope, hope, singular. Um, one of the those experimental drugs is called Pelis, uh, Pelicarsin from drug maker Novartis. Earlier... Um, Studies show that it significantly drove down these LPA levels in 98% of people taking it. Wow. So does it, do you get the LPA test by just having a general cholesterol test no, and asking for them to, to add? No, it has oh, to be specific. specifically okay. added. So the question for researchers now is, 
whether a lower LPA actually reduces early and potential deadly heart attacks and stroke. It's already well established mm -hmm. that medications such as statins can protect people from um, heart disease by lowering LDL. So, um, yeah, this is yet another thing to worry about. <laughs> You're welcome. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. I have this story and I have to thank CNN, but I, I think this is a great story. And I had no idea that whale poop is valuable. Did you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's you a knew? name for it, right? Yeah. Oh, well, whale poop is apparently the thing. So take a look at this story. It again is from CNN. Check this out. I love it. CNN's Bill Weir embedded with a team of researchers tracking humpback whales to reveal how the crisis is impacting them and how they might actually help beat it. Bill is here. Tell me more, they are us the, more. They are the biggest allies we have, literally, the biggest allies on the planet. And it's so good we saved them from oblivion. Because when I was a little boy, they were on the brink of extinction. The comeback of the humpback is one of the great stories in conservation. And a couple years ago, some economists at the International Monetary Fund said, let's figure out the value of a whale. What? What, what Earth services it provides over a 60-year life? Two million dollars. Two million dollars in Earth services, all thanks to their poo. Check it out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and then they hit the jackpot. Oh, we got poo? Whale stool sample. Nice. <laughs> you got a good chunk or you want some more? That should be plenty. Look at that. Yeah, that's the goal. That's, that's the goal. That is the goal. Joe, <laughs> we have to poop. We have to poop. New science finds that when it comes to earth repair, whale poo has massive value. You see, when whalers wiped out 95% of the baleen whales, we lost the planet's biggest fertilizer pumps. One pod can take important nutrients from deep water and spread them across miles of ocean surface water, feeding the phytoplankton, which feeds the krill, which feeds everything from penguins to seals to whales. They're the gardeners of the ocean, aren't they? Yeah, instead of thinking of a food chain as going from one end to the other and stopping, it's much more like a circle. So they're literally seeding the upper parts of the ocean with the opportunity for plant life to grow, and that's what feeds the whale food. So you're right, in a sense, they're basically farmers. They're recycling nutrients. There's more food available to them the more they're around. Yeah. Whale laxatives, wow. John Berman just suggested. <laughs> well, the answer to all of our issues. It is. But let them do their thing and let them come back. There's a little over a million whales now that are bouncing back of all species. These, these economists say we get four million uh, on the planet. We could really draw down as much carbon as three or four Amazon rainforests. And new artificial intelligence is helping us understand their communications. A team up in Alaska had a 20-minute conversation with a humpback whale, playing recordings back and forth, different cadences. We're just beginning to understand our biggest planetary roommates and literally the biggest allies. Can I just yeah. So pretty cool stuff. We talked about the communication before before on the After Party Live, but the whole, you know, they defecate, they allow the Fertilize. plant life to grow, the krill grows, and then they eat it. So they're kind of a self-sustaining system. And, and don't forget the whale vomit. Remember whale vomit? Ambergris. Remember it? It's oh, very expensive. that's right. That's right. It's like $27 yeah. a gram um, yeah. because it's used for perfume. Yeah, it's so interesting.
Which is I just gross. thought that was a fascinating story. So huge thanks to CNN and their um, their climate correspondent Bill Weir for that really. Bill cool Weir story. responded to me on Twitter. Did he um, really? I think it was Twitter. Yeah, I complimented him on a sh- um, because his show, The Wonderless, was put on HBO Max. Yeah, and I said it's one of the best programs CNN's ever aired, and he responded with like a smiley face and like a fist emoji. Like, nice, that's thanks. very cool. Thanks, bro. I like him. He's a good reporter. He he's could tell good. he's passionate about what he does. And he has and a that... child, and he like brings her into certain stories to talk about the impact oh, on children, future generations. I, I think that. that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I like Bill Weir. I'm a not, I'm a new Bill Weir fan. It yeah, turns there out. you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to see the Wonderlist, it's on uh, it's on Max. It's a really good show. Awesome. It goes all over the world looking at things that are you know that are on the brink of extinction or and threatened. Um, yeah. But speaking of threatened, uh, I don't want to threaten you, but we need to take a break. Oh, let's take a break. And when <laughs> we come back, we'll talk about devices that track you without your consent. That's not true, is it? We'll tell you about it. Uh, We'll also tell you about these people that crash their Tesla into a waterway. And it turns out that a floating sauna saved the day. A floating sauna, you ask? It happened. We'll be right back after this on The After Party Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Aloha, indeed. Woohoo! So we are not live today. Um, yeah. Kim uh, needed the day off, so I that's did. why we're pre recorded. So, uh, but My we want to thank. I'm sorry. Our- we want to thank all our <laughs> ongoing contributors for the contributions to the show. Um, without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. So thank yeah, you, every thank you. contributor. And uh, thank you. And anybody who's given um, a super sticker today, we appreciate that as well. Yeah, the and super we'll, chat, um, the super stickers are, are live. The yeah. PayPal address is in the show description. And I should ask you, while we have your attention, to please click the like button. And if you haven't subscribed, please click subscribe for us as well. We appreciate Why all the you ways subscribed? you contribute to the show. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll acknowledge everybody uh, when we're live again. Uh, Absolutely. So next up, a device. Apple tag? Tracking you without your consent. A Florida bill would make that a felony. A felony? Well, they mean business with that. Stalking victims would be armed with stronger protections if proposed changes to a Florida law outlawing unauthorized use of of, uh, wireless tracking devices is enacted. It's currently illegal to stall any kind of tracking device, including surveillance on phones, without the consent of the person being tracked. But the prohibition is only a second-degree misdemeanor, and law enforcement officers have told victims that they have little power to investigate complaints. Um, Rayner, who is a um, representative Michelle Rayner, a Democrat representing parts of uh, uh, Florida, told the State House Criminal Justice Subcommittee at a recent hearing. She said she was a victim of tracking and wished the proposed law was in place at the time. She said her friends who have been victims of having things installed on their phones... Um, they just didn't know about it, right? Law enforcement officers told her that their hands were tied. Um, that's because a second-degree misdemeanor charge doesn't give police authority to obtain a search warrant that could help prove who purchased device, who downloaded the monitoring software, and who is using the device to track victims. Similar legislative bill, bills cleared five committees with unanimous support, and the Senate version only needs to earn a favorable vote by the Chamber's Rules Committee before advancing to votes by the full House and Senate. If that happens, the, bill's, uh, uh, the bill uh, is to be signed by our favorite governor, Ron DeSantis. It would become law um, uh, in October. Um, 
you know, this is Florida, but still, I mean, this is something we need to think about, right? Yeah. Um, well, Apple has created alerts to let smartphone users know if they're being monitored with one of the AirTags, um, which are only cost $30 each, right? Martin, um, uh, Jonathan Martin, who's sponsoring the bill in the Senate, said that other trackers are available that could go completely undetected unless you're trained or skilled to find those tracking devices. So Interesting. Yeah, and some devices are even advertised as ideal for clan, uh, clandestine monitoring, which is kind of <gasps> kind of creepy. Very creepy. Yeah. Yeah, they need to this is a case we of technology not keeping up with laws, you know? Or laws not keeping up with technology. Right. We exactly laws not keeping up with technology. Yeah. We need to and that's what I'm worried about with AI is that where the same thing's going to happen but to a catastrophic degree. So, wah, wah, wah. Mm. Well, let, let's go to some good news. Let's go to some good news. It's uh, uh, folks that save the day. Woohoo! What happens when your Tesla goes in the drink? Well, when your Tesla goes into the waterway and there happens to be a floating sauna nearby, not only do you get plucked out, but you get to go in the warm sauna so that if you were suffering from hypothermia, you have an instant warm uh, place to be, right? I have some video to play. It's another video story. So if we could take the picture down, let me share the screen with you and uh, tell you a little bit more about what happened to two people who escaped this Tesla. This Tesla crashed into an icy fjord in Norway on February 1st, Reuters reports. Luckily, rescue came in the form of a floating sauna for the two people that escaped the sinking car. It was uh, ice floating around and everything. We got them on board. Uh, they were clearly very shocked about what had happened. Uh, I sent them into the sauna to get the warp. Oslo police said on X, formerly known as Twitter, that no one else was believed to be in the water. They also said it's unclear how the car ended up in the water. <laughs> how did it end up in the water? Well... They probably drove it into the water. It probably drove it in there. Or maybe anyway, it was on autopilot. This is what happens in Oslo, Norway. They pluck you out into their floating sauna. Nice. Uh, very expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, new wave reactor technology could kickstart a nuclear uh, renaissance, and the U.S. is banking on it. Um, off the Siberian coast, not that far from Alaska, a Russian ship has been docked at port for four years. Um, this ship, the world's first nuclear power plant, sends energy to about 200,000 people on land using next wave nuclear technology, small modular reactors. This technology is also being used below sea level. Dozens of U.S. submarines lurking in the depths of the world's oceans are propelled by SMRs, um, as the compact reactors are known. SMRs, which are smaller and less costly to build than traditional large-scale reactors, are fast becoming the next great hope for a renaissance as the world scrambles to cut fossil fuels. And the U.S., Russia, and China are battling for dominance to build them and sell them. The Biden administration American companies are plowing billions of dollars into SMRs in a bid for business and global influence. China is a, is a leader in the technology and construction, and Russia is making almost all of the world's SMR fuel. Uh, the U.S. is trying to play catch up with both. But there's no mystery behind why the U.S. wants in on the market. It already lost the wind and solar energy race to China which now provides most of the world's solar panels and wind turbines. The big problem, the U.S. hasn't managed to get an SMR working commercially on land. What? Um, they're potentially an enormous global market that could bring money, jobs to the U.S., 
uh, which is trying to sell entire fleets of reactors to countries rather than the bespoke large-scale power plants that notoriously go over budget and way past deadline. Um, while these SMRs provide less energy, typically a third of your traditional plant, they require less space and can be built in more places. They're made up of small parts that can be easily delivered and assembled on site, um, kind of like a flat pack. So it's like going to Ikea for your reactor. Uh, most countries are trying to rapidly decarbonize their energy systems to address the climate crisis. Wind and solar now provide at least 12% of the world's power. And in some places like the EU, they provide more than fossil fuels. But there's an increasing sense of urgency to clean up our energy systems as extreme weather events re uh, wreak havoc on the planet and as um, challenges with renewables remain. So, hmm. you know, um, for many experts, the... Nuclear energy in all forms, large or small, has an important role to play in that transition. I don't see any yeah. way to do it without that, you know, because we don't want to be spewing um, carbon into the air, right? No, so, we don't. But we want our power and we want to drive our cars and yeah, heat our homes. I just remember what happened in Japan when they had that earthquake and then they had the tsunami. And yeah. I have some big fears in California. We're in earthquake territory, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, a lot of people think oh, nuclear is the way to go and it's the cleanest that we have. But I I fear that the repercussions of what happens in an, an accident. Well, I think know? they have to put in like rural yeah. Nevada. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Nevada. So, somewhere that's not it's here. got to go out there. Uh, but smaller scale. And yeah. they, you know, and if they invest in the in the design and improving the safety, I mean, we have, I mean, like having an, uh, I mean, as bad as it is to have a, like a meltdown every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, that's like um, a chronic, you know, issue where there's, mm -hmm. it's flaring up and it's dangerous. But the, the, the alternative is a slow kill. You're slowly yeah. dying because you're polluting your air and your children's right. air and your great, your grandchildren's air. Yep. Right. You get to a point where everyone's sick. So I don't know. Yeah. I like There's the no way you think lunch. about things. I There's like no you, John lunch. Daly. I like oh. you. I don't like this lady, though. I really don't like her. Um, because, so you know how Costco has this return policy where, other than electronics, because they had to change it with the big TVs and all the electronics, mm -hmm. you can pretty much take anything back. Like yeah, if I, you ate, yeah. you have, if you eat Not that like often, though. half a loaf of bread, you can oh, take it back and say, no. I don't like this bread. If you buy something a year ago, you can take it back and say, you know what? No. But there comes a point it's nice to have a liberal return policy for yeah. when like you know maybe you you missed the return date by a month or something but not at costco right. you can still take it back which is nice but when people take advantage of it i always think well this is the reason why you're gonna you guys people that take advantage of it are going to affect you people you people are gonna ruin it for all of us is the reason we can't have nice things so this lady buys a sofa at Costco and she decides after two years that she wants to take it back two years she had the couch and she's like I'm she's done using it. I don't want this couch anymore and That's so gross. here she is so today we're doing something that I've never done before and that is we are returning a two and a half year old couch to Costco. can you hear that yeah so we bought the couch from Costco um, two and a half years ago, right before we had something. Get that lip gloss on before and you get there. I don't know why I was so nervous. Um, I think maybe because you know, shouldn't be doing long, this. But like we bought it from Costco, so. <laughs> You're a criminal. Look at that. So she wheels it into Costco on a dolly. 
I mean, not only is it bad enough that... It is very intimidating going in there with a big giant purchase and you're returning it. So it should be intimidating. A lot of people staring at you, but who cares? Return it. They have an awesome return policy. Definitely look online. I don't think you can do it on electronics, cigarettes, alcohol, but buy your furniture from Costco, girl. You can return it when you don't like it anymore. Okay, <sighs> I didn't get the film after because we were in a rush and stuff, but when I got up there, I already knew the date that I had bought it because I had taken a photo of when we were bringing it up to our apartment at the time because I was pregnant and I couldn't lift it. So luckily I knew the date. Um, I told her around the date that I bought it. She looked it up in the computer, told me exactly which one it was. She found the, like, online, whatever she looked at. And then she goes, oh, cool. And that was it. She just asked me if it was, if there was anything wrong with it or I just didn't want it or, like, like it anymore. And I said I just didn't like it anymore, which is we just don't like the color anymore. And they gave us our refund, full refund to his card. So, yeah. It they need to put her on a list. Okay, it's I mean, bad enough that she did it, but then she's going out and bragging about it. She's like, she it was intimidating. On. It should have been intimidating because you were doing something unethical. You had the couch for two and a half years. You know, the reason she said she didn't like the color anymore because it had faded a little bit. Probably because it was in front of a window or, I don't know, used. Right. Can you imagine? I've heard people that after Christmas try to return the Christmas tree they bought from Costco. Like just wild like a plastic things. Tree? No, no, like a real living Christmas tree. Oh, Some Costco's Christ. you can buy a tree or a wreath and people will take them back after they've been used all season and try to return it. And Costco takes it back. No, they shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do that because and but also people shouldn't be jerks about it and do stuff like that because they have a wonderful return policy yeah. for people that really need it well, for and products that also, are really defective and they're screwing it up. They could also flag people. They could flag people and say like this person's an abuser, right? Right. You know, and have some limitations on that. Full disclosure: I am a stockholder of Costco, so I don't <laughs> like it. Costing me money. You I think it's the woman. people like this that are going to have Costco reconsidering their return policy and are going to screw it up for the rest of us. Yeah. You don't use something daily for two and a half years and take it back because it faded a little and you don't like the color anymore. Yeah. That's that's abusing the system, really. Um, you know, I'm if you I'm disgusted, John. After Daly. all this, you know, this upset <laughs> over this Costco incident, maybe you need a holiday. Well, a map is revealing <laughs> where the Romans went on holiday from staycations to spa trips. Mm. What did the Romans do, ever do for us? Well, arguably, they created the most important things of all. Holidays. Yeah. Inventing the proper way to vacay. Despite the time and expense, citizens of the Roman Empire still managed to create a way for safe travel as they trotted around different continents. It wasn't for everyone. It was vastly expensive. But still, the idea of packing up and jetting, well, sailing, off appealed to as uh, as much as people uh, then as it does now. Oxford University's Dr. Matthew Nichols, who uh, also a visiting professor of classics at the University of uh, Reading, um, told Me uh, Metro uh, UK, travel in the ancient world was expensive and slow, right? Take a look at this map. You need to be able to take weeks or months away from earning an income and pay for slow, expensive, tra expensive travel by road or ship. For many people, leisure time um, where they lived was important, hence the importance of city festivals, arena games, spectacular bathhouses, etc. in the imperial culture um, of bread and circuses, the idea of keeping people happy with superficial trappings. Um, 
we've gone full out on that now. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> these were all the things for urban populations to enjoy their spare time. But for those lucky enough uh, to be able to venture further afield, where did they go? Right. Look at the look at these uh, look at all these different locations here. Wow. Um, not all Romans traveled to Rome or from Rome, rather. But for those who did live in the empire's home city, where would they travel for? The upper classes uh, decamped to the countryside. Sounds familiar even today. Um, purchasing vacation villas uh, dotted in the suburbs of the grandiose city. Here they would lounge around beneath the Mediterranean sunshine, eat grapes, presumably. Nice. You'd like to eat some grapes, right? So where yeah. did they go? They went to Lesbos? They went to Chios, <laughs> they went to Rhodes and the Dead Sea and the Pyramid of Giza, Alexandria. These are all the like the, the vacation locales. Those are the further ones, the further okay. ones afield. So most people in the Rome area, they just went like, um, you know, 15 miles away, 17 miles away. A bit but of a staycation. Rich, yeah. But the rich could also go to the coast of um, uh, the Tridentian uh, Sea and Capri, mm -hmm. where one emperor, Tiberius, built his resort villa. Nice. But elsewhere, resorts in Pompeii. Herculaneum and mm -hmm. Baie in Naples were popular, attracting people from across the country. One particular uh, magnif magnificent villa in Herculaneum, famed for its mm -hmm. unique preservation of 1,800 skulls following the eruption of Vesuvius in uh, 79 CE, was owned by the father-in-law of one Julius Caesar. You may oh, have heard wow. Yeah. Herculaneum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some Romans were able to travel further from their homeland, um, as you can see here, all these other destinations. Um, others went as far as the Middle East, Africa, and even rainy old England. Uh, the Romans oh. would, when the time was right, travel to Greece to watch the Olympic Games, as well as other uh, uh, ancient Greek events, such as the Nemean Games. I've never heard of them. No, um, and much like today, they would visit Greek temples and marvel at their immense and ornate construction. And of course, in those days, Romans had the benefit of them not being in ruins, right? In the Roman religion, which had no official name but uh, is a form of polytheism, uh, there's an emphasis on death, and often Roman tourists would visit the Oracle of Delphi. Um, many believe that the Oracle, the Greek high priestess, Pythia, channeled the exact words of the uh, god Apollo, the Greek god of prophecies and truth. And who doesn't like a bit of island hopping, basking in the Grecian sun? The Romans visited the islands that you mentioned, Lesbos, Rhodes, and Chios, for a bit of beach holiday time. And uh, mm -hmm. here they could also have the added attraction of seeing the Colossus of Rhodes, a magnificent statue of the Greek sun god Helios and one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Pretty cool. That's very cool. And maybe you can make it down to Egypt. Um, look down there. Pyramids Vacations are not a new concept, right? Nope. There no. you go. Pretty cool. So th speaking of things that you travel and find in faraway places, these rare ancient discoveries of trees has scientists gobsmacked, they say. Gobsmacked. It's a new discovery. Gobsmacked, you say? Gobsmacked, I say. These new discoveries of uniquely 3D tree fossils are opening windows into what the world was like when the planet's early forests were beginning to evolve. And that is allowing the understanding of the architecture of trees to be more well understood throughout the Earth's history. So they found five tree fossils that were buried alive 
by an earthquake 350 million years ago. They were uncovered in this quarry in New Brunswick, this Canadian province. The study it comes out in the uh, journal by uh, the journal Current Biology is the name of the of the of the, the journal. The author said the new and unusual fossil trees bear a surprising shape reminiscent of a Dr. Seuss illustration. It does, yeah, right? It looks like a truffula tree. Uh, they reveal clues about a period of life on Earth, which we know very little about. They call them time capsules. Um, they say that the specimens, one of the specimens they discovered um, is among a handful of cases in the entire plant fossil record spanning more than 400 million years in which a tree's branches and crown leaves are still attached to its trunk. Very few tree fossils date back to the Earth's earliest forests, and many have never been found. Uh, but their discovery, they say, helps fill in some missing pieces of the fossil record. There are only five or six trees we can document, at least in the Paleozoic period, that were preserved with their crowns intact. Most of the ancient specimens are pretty small. Um, some have stumps or root systems attached. So for his colleagues to find uh, this one scientist, for his colleagues to find a preserved tree that could have been 15 feet tall in its maturity with an 18 foot diameter crown, that's why they were just gobsmacked that they found all these things. Pretty cool. They're learning a lot about exactly uh, what this all is. So this fossil that you're seeing, or the one that you just saw on the screen, it was encased in a sandstone boulder about the size of a small car. Yeah. And it's all because this earthquake came down and buried all this these living creatures, trees, everything. And that's why we have the record preserved today to understand more about it. They call it a milestone in our understanding of how the earliest forest structure milestone. evolved. Milestone, I get it. A milestone, yeah. <laughs> um, the very illegal cafe where you can take shrooms and chew on coca. Oh. Yeah. Um, that's a fun place. What's it called? <laughs> where is uh, it <laughs> yeah. here's the details cops and raids can't keep us down reads the sign outside the coca leaf cafe a medicinal mushroom dispensary in downtown vancouver canada oh. in november last year the emporium which sells not just bolivian coca from which cocaine derives and hallucinogenic mushrooms but all all manners of psychedelics it was raided by police for the first time since it opened in 2020 along with two other dispensaries under the same ownership Thousands of dollars in cash and drugs worth tens of thousands were seized. Yeah, that's right. Wow, look at look at all that. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, um, yeah apparently not legal. Um, owner Dana Larson was arrested <laughs> and held in custody for seven hours, but he reopened the cafe the next day after being released what? without Busted. any immediate charges. Staff at his other two outlets greeted psychonauts, microdosers, and psych psychedelic curious once more for a few days a few days later the immediate reopening was a brazen move even for larson a 52 yeah. year old veteran of entrepreneurial uh, drug law reform activism who has um, been chewing uh, who was chewing coca leaves when they first met for this interview <laughs> his next play was even more audacious for christmas he sent festive cards to each of uh, to all the addresses of the 87 members of the legislative assembly of british columbia and gifted each of those politicians a coca leaf and one gram of golden teacher magic mushrooms. In the card, he wished them the happiest of holidays, lauded the plant's beneficial therapeutic properties, and included a membership form for the dispensary. Larson told local media, I encouraged them to try the mushroom 
in a safe and responsible setting and to have that experience, it could be very beneficial. It's unclear whether any of them took him up on the offer. In fact, some of them called the police. The police. I don't know if in Canada they, they have a similar law to the United States, but it's illegal to send illegal drugs through the right, u.s the postal service like you I'm can't send that you can't mail that to people i'm sure Re it's not kosher we have um, a, a viewer listener rev p who will always comment in after hours hi rev he's gonna love this story oh okay yeah. nevertheless there's no shortage of members at larson's cafe and dispensary more than twenty thousand at the latest count on a chilly afternoon in early january uh, the author of this uh, article paid him a visit and became the latest recruit for filling out details and presenting his id to an employee behind the counter, the psychedelic version of a bud tender. Let's call them trip tenders. Um, he ordered a cocachino, a bittersweet <laughs> concoction combining brewed coca leaves, steamed milk, and syrup. It's hard not to be impressed. There's um, This is only uh, one of the places in the world where such a beverage, as well as a vast array of mind-bending products on sale, can be found in the same establishment. And it's with... Um, yeah, it's... Um, oh. And it's without doubt the only coca cafe in the West... Uh, we are here to fight for the legalization of all psychedelics and to end the war on drugs. As far as I'm concerned, prohibition is the root cause for all the problems that they claim mm -hmm. are caused by drugs. Um, but you know what his problem is? Wah, wah, yeah. wah. He's taken away by the popo. Yeah. Uh -huh. So um, it is. Uh, it, it it doesn't reside in a legal gray area, but it um, it is totally illegal in Canada. Coca leaves, considered sacred by indigenous peoples across the Andes, are a Schedule One drug in Canada. Um, so, yeah, um, there, there isn't a lot of appetite in Vancouver to go after um, these types of people, kind of like right. in San Francisco, where you see um, psychedelics being sold on the street. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of I mean, even though it's illegal, when you have like a business with a cafe, yeah. like, you you know, that's kind of wait a minute. That's bold. Yeah. You don't have yeah. a, something you can fold up and run away from. You've 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 established that you're yeah. doing this. Last year, Is British it... Columbia, they did decriminalize the possession of small amounts of heroin, fentanyl, cocaine, and meth, but weirdly not mushrooms. And huh. since Canada's monumental 2018 leg uh, legislation, recreational cannabis is available in stores on most main streets. So interesting. Isn't it, wasn't when Coca-Cola first developed in, I don't know, whatever year, the 50s or 40s or whatever it was, didn't it have coca leaves in it or cocaine in it? Um, I don't know if that's an urban legend. Maybe we should, we should have had that for trivia. Oh, we have to do that. Yeah. yeah I don't know if that's... Um, yeah, it was in, invented by a pharmacist in Atlanta. Um, let's see if he... Uh, yeah, now, I think it I think it, it did because that's why everybody wanted here, to... cocaine has never been an added ingredient in Coca-Cola. Even when What's it was it? first... See, yeah. now I'm looking at USA Today... They say the soda once contained the drug, but likely much less than people think. Okay, it, it wasn't added as cocaine. It says that there was a form of an extract of the coca leaf, which inspired the coca part of the beverage's name. Um, the cola to, comes from the cola nut. According to caffeine. this USA Today story, the first bottles of Coca-Cola from 1894, so I was right way off on my years, contained about 3.5 grams of cocaine. That explains why our parents and grandparents could walk to and from school uphill both ways in the what's, snow. What's your source? Because oh, I'm looking at the DEA's wait, website. You were right, because that's the urban legend. Okay? Yes, thank you. So, Coca-Cola did 
in fact contain cocaine according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse. When it was invented, it was first marketed as a patent medicine and cocaine was legal at the time and it was a common ingredient in certain medicines. The cocaine in the drink and later its removal presented a right. delicate public relations problem, they said. Um, if, if the company responded to attacks by telling the truth, they would be admitting that if the drink did once have cocaine in it, right? Yeah. Um, the implication would be that they removed it because it was harmful, which would open the door to lawsuits. Well, and it had caffeine, which was a stimulant in the, this mm -hmm. extract. So it wasn't like, you know, they weren't putting like cocaine as we know it in there. It was an extra extract of the coca leaf. Right. But I mean, in, in, you know, for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, so okay, interesting. Well, but, we yeah. have come to the end of our drug laden road here on the After Party <laughs> Live. Well, it is the after party, and that's what happens at after parties. After we are bringing it. That's what we're doing. We want to thank, thank all our ongoing yeah. contributors, um, everybody who joined us here in the chat. And um, Kim is off having a great time with her, yeah. uh, her son for her birthday, family birthday. So that's yeah. important. It's important He's to have family time. Double right? digits. We got to celebrate, right? Wow. Yeah, it's 10 old. years old. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm now an old mom. Well, have a great oh, wow. afternoon, Kim. Have a great yeah. afternoon, everybody. And we'll see you here tomorrow. Bye, everybody. Uh, Thanks for being Live. here. Please click like and subscribe. We'll do it again tomorrow. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>